When we speak of the wise, we can't help but contrast them with the foolish. The foolish stand out like a sore thumb. So often, they look foolish and sound foolish and make foolish decisions. But the wise stand out as exceptional. The wise seem to be in another class. Solomon says, My child, listen when your father corrects you. Don't neglect your mother's instruction. What you learn from them will crown you with grace and be a chain of honor around your neck. Yes, the wise are noble people. They stand out as extraordinary people. Wisdom is not necessarily the fruit of education or privilege or fame or fortune. Wisdom is the fruit of the man or woman who has taken to heart the godly instruction of parents, teachers, pastors, and mentors. John Adams once said, There is a natural aristocracy among men. To be a virtuous person who is naturally honored and respected by all, we must humbly learn from the wise. Amen to that, right? Yes, yes. You know, I am really excited about this series. I've never done anything quite like this before. Uh, Proverbs is a very difficult book to preach through because every verse kind of stands on its own, and it's not really, usually, it's not related or connected to the verse before or after. But as I was praying and asking God to just show me how to do Proverbs, I just felt impressed that we needed to focus on chapter 1 and part of chapter 2. So that's what we're doing this summer. And uh, we're talking about the importance of wisdom. Well, this week, Rhonda Paul sent this to me, and it says, we are drowning in information while starving for wisdom. Would you say amen to that? Amen. Yeah, and then Don Davidson sent it to me shortly after, but Rhonda got there first, so she gets all the praise. <laughs> <laughs> we're drowning in information while starving for wisdom. Boy, does anything sum up our times better than this? This really, really does sum up our, the times, the days that we're living in. We've never uh, been in an in a era where people have been so uncertain about life. And I'm going to tell you, folks, that you can confident, we can confidently go through life. We can confidently handle anything, anything that we have to face in this life. And why is that? Because we don't face it alone. If information were all, was all that we needed, then God would have, have given us or provided for us each a set of Encyclopedia Britannica when we were born, but that's not what happened. Or he would have, you know, God would be a bit more sophisticated than that. He would have implanted a chip on our head. But wisdom, wisdom is what's really needed. And, and, and not just any kind of wisdom, because, again, the world doesn't really understand what wisdom is. But we as Christians understand that true wisdom is a wisdom that comes from God. And when you, you come to church on Sunday, you're not interested in the wisdom of Alan Duncalf, are you? Well, thanks a lot. <laughs> but you're right, that's the right answer. You, yeah. As, as much as you love me, and I know all of you love me so much, <laughs> as much as you love me, you understand that my opinion is not what matters. What matters is what does God say? What does the word of God teach us? And this is why we come to church. 
And this is why you come to this church, because God knows what you need in your church and from your church. Did you get that? Yeah, God has a special word for the people of Cross Church. This is your family, and this is the place where God will speak specifically to you. Now, you could go to other churches, and you can listen to sermons on, on YouTube, and they'll be all great, and they'll teach you things, and you'll be excited about it. But there's something very different about coming and hearing the word of God in the, in the context of, of your church home. Does that make sense? And I, I think that what I need to do, and I, I'm, gonna, I'm trying to figure out how to do this, but I need to do a series that talks about ecclesiology. Ecclesiology is just a fancy theological term for the doctrine of the church. Because if there's anything lacking in our day and age, it's that. People don't understand the power of belonging to a local church. Does that make sense? Yes. So here you are today. You have come to church. You've left your living room or your, wherever you are, your bedroom. You actually took your pajamas off and, <laughs> and you put on real clothes. <laughs> the only thing that's missing is a cup of coffee. And we'll try to remedy that, but, but not today, sorry. <laughs> not today. So look, at, if you've come across anything like this, uh, forward it to me, and, uh, and I'll even give you credit for it. And, uh, but it, I, I love to get everybody engaged. Now, here's the other thing I want you to do to be engaged in this sermon series, is I would like you to read a chapter of the Proverbs every day. Could you do that? My brother, my brother who lives in Victoria, he watches our services every Sunday. He, he already texted me, said, Alan, I've read the whole book of Proverbs already. And I said, well, you, you beat me to the punch because I was going to give that for homework. But he's already done that. So if you could do that, you can actually get through the book of Proverbs in one month. And if you uh, get busy and get caught up, you can actually read through the Proverbs twice. Uh, Billy Graham said that what he used to do is re- he would read a chapter of the Proverbs every day so that he was literally reading through the Proverbs every month on a regular basis. And I have done the same thing, and I have felt that God has, has given great grace to me and given wisdom. So uh, would, would it, is everybody open to that? Yeah, all in favor say aye. aye. All opposed, out. No. <laughs> so we're, we're in the book of Proverbs because it is the book of wisdom. And it was written by Solomon, who uh, was the third king of Israel. He was the son of David. And uh, we, we see at the very beginning of Solomon's reign, and in case you don't know who Solomon is, he's the one sitting uh, on, on your left on my right and he is entertaining a visit from the queen of sheba we don't know her name but uh we do know where she is from now this is a painting and and by the way i've had to really zoom in on it because if i showed you the whole thing you, you wouldn't really be able to see it properly but i wanted you to see queen sheba standing before king solomon and this was uh this is a painting done by uh, Tintoretto in 1555. It's a, it's a story that we've all known for hundreds of years, thousands of years, and it has influenced our culture in a way that a lot of people don't know. Now, here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that the, uh, that the Queen of Sheba, uh, whose name is not stated, we don't know her name, she heard of Solomon's fame 
and she decided that she was going to uh, come and, and meet Solomon for herself. She came to test Solomon with some hard questions. She heard that Solomon was a, a wise, the wisest king ever, and so she thought, well, I gotta go see that for myself. Is that a typical woman? <laughs> I had to go find that out for myself. So she got together her entourage and brought all kinds of gifts, and she came with her hard questions. And the scripture says that Solomon answered every question to her satisfaction because nothing was too hard for the king to explain to her. And it says that they exchanged gifts after which she returned to her land. The queen came, listen to this, with a very great entourage, with camels bearing a superabundance of spices. The Bible says it was nothing like this had ever been seen before. So uh, I can, you can just imagine the air is rich with the fragrance of all these spices. It's all come to King Solomon. She brought precious stones to King Solomon. I imagine rubies and emeralds and diamonds and, and I don't know what else. I don't know too much about precious stones because I'm a poor pastor. <laughs> but she also brought, get this, 9,000 pounds of gold. So I did some, I couldn't resist. I had to do the calculations on this. I, got it, I had to know. So, so 9,000 pounds of gold as of July 15, 2021 would be worth, are you ready for this? Two hundred and forty-eight million forty-seven thousand eight hundred and twenty-nine dollars and sixty cents Canadian. <laughs> It'd be nice if we had people come to our church that would bring nine thousand pounds of gold, wouldn't it? But uh, we'll take what you have. <laughs> now. Some of you may wonder, where is Sheba? Well, modern uh, historians and scholars, they believe that Sheba was, in fact, the um, South Arabian kingdom of Sabah. And Sabah is actually, uh, I think it's the capital city of Yemen. So it's, it's right at the southernmost part of that, that Arabian peninsula. So what she would have done is she would have left Sabah and come up the Red Sea, right along the Red Sea, right up into into Jerusalem, and that trip was uh, at least two, 2,513 kilometers. Now, if you're driving that, that's gonna take you 30 hours nonstop. If you're going with an entourage and riding uh, in a cart, I'm, I'm guessing that we're talking about, about months to get there. Now, I want you to think about all of this. Solomon's wisdom was so fantastic that Queen Sheba found it the Queen of Sheba found it absolutely impossible to resist this trip. She was willing to spend a quarter of a billion dollars. She was ready to bring all these spices, precious stones, and she was willing and 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 prepared to travel who knows, a month, two months, to come to see the wisdom of Solomon. Now, you're going to see in a moment why this is so important, why it's so significant. Because when we tell the story of Queen Sheba, or Queen, the Queen of Sheba, we get caught up in the wealth of it and, and the distance she traveled and the wonder and the awe and the spices, and, and we quite miss the main point. 
And I'm going to share with you what the main point is in just a few moments. But before we, ma- uh, we, we examine the main point of this historical meeting between the monarchs, we need to see what Solomon is saying to us in these next two verses that we're considering this morning. Last week, we looked at, at Proverbs chapter 1, verses 5 to 7. And today, I'd like us to look at verses 8 and 9. And here's what Solomon says. He says, my child, listen when your father corrects you. How many fathers have said that to your kids? Well, you need to if you haven't. And then he says, Solomon says, don't neglect your mother's instruction. What you learn from them will crown you with grace and be a chain of honor around your neck. So I want you to see something. This this crown that Solomon is talking about, this chain of honor around his son's neck, it's not a a literal crown. It's not a literal chain of honor. Of honor, but what it is, is a respect that that child earns from living in obedience to his parents. This, this crown or chain of honor is extended to those who live as God has called us to live, and that is to live in wisdom. So Solomon, what he does in wanting to prepare his son and his son's son and his son's son's son for the throne of Israel is he he gathers these Proverbs together. And I'm going to tell you more about the book of Proverbs as the days go by. You're going to get little snippets every week about the actual whole book of Proverbs. Most of the Proverbs are are Solomon's, but some of them he's gathered from other countries and he's compiled it, he's put it together so that his son would have the wisdom that he needs to lead the people of God and to live a life that is is crowned with respect. Did you get that? Let me just throw out a question to you. you. Are you respected by the people in your life? Are you universally respected by by all people, everybody who knows you? They know that you are a person of dignity, a person of respect. Well, Solomon wants his son to be that kind of a person. He doesn't want his son to be disrespected because Solomon knows that if he doesn't have the respect of of the children of Israel, how does he lead them? He has to become a tyrant. He's got to lead them by force and by tyranny. Solomon knows that that is not the way to lead God's people. But even more than that, Solomon is not just the king of Israel, but he is a husband, and he's a father. And if he's going to have the respect of his wife, or in his case, wives and concubines, if he's going to have the wisdom to be a good father, he needs to learn what it means to gain respect, to be admired by all. So people who are respected, if, as, you, as all of us know, people who are respected, they have a natural ability to influence people. They've got the powers of influence. People turn to wise people, to respected people for help. And that's why the queen of Sheba takes this incredible journey all the way up the coast of the Red Sea all the way to Israel to meet Solomon. She wants to know some 
answers to some questions of hers. Now, why does Solomon have to tell his son this? And I'll tell you why. Because by nature, we're fools. Thanks, Pastor Alan. That's just what I needed to hear this morning. By nature, that's what we are. Would, would anybody agree with me on that? Just, or is that just me? It's in the previous verse, we talked about it last week. Solomon says that fools despise wisdom and discipline. Solomon doesn't want his son to be a fool. And in fact, he's not just talking to his son, he's talking to everybody who reads this book. And he's saying, don't be a fool. I don't want you to be a fool. And by the way, a fool is not somebody who's just got a low IQ. You know, if that were the case, well, there's, you know, some of us, that <laughs> sorry, wisdom will never be on my agenda. <laughs> but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about, about a morality that is problematic. We're talking about somebody who's, whose morality is, is far, far below what God expects. So how do we gain this crown, this chain of respect? Well, I want to just, I just want to now make sure that, that this passage of Scripture that we're talking about this morning is applied to everybody. It's applied to my heart, it's applied to your heart, it's to everybody. If you are a husband, if you are a wife, if you are an employee, if you are a boss, uh, if you are somebody's child, I, th I think that, that covers everybody. If if you're in a position of authority, if you're a pastor, if you're an elder, if you're a teacher, then you need to understand the importance of this because it is this, this respect that comes from wisdom that gives you the ability to be what God wants you to be. You cannot be a man or a woman who is respected if you fail to do what Solomon is saying here. You need to gain wisdom, a wisdom that comes from heaven. And here's the good news, is you don't have to figure this out yourself. God has shown us clearly, clearly shown us through his word what he expects of us and how he expects us to, to live. So if you're gonna govern and lead your family properly, if you're gonna be a good friend to your brothers and sisters in Christ, if you want the respect of your peers, if you want the respect of your children, then you're going to have to learn to have the wisdom that Solomon's talking about here. You say, Pastor Allen, well, what does that mean? Well, you're going to see in a minute. Just hang on. I want you to understand if you're going to get the, the respect from your peers, the respect from your brothers and sisters, the respect from your parents, respect from your children, you need to have the wisdom that I'm telling you about today. And that's what Solomon is saying. So, my child, listen, when your father corrects you, don't neglect your mother's instruction. What you learn from them will crown you with grace and be a chain of honor around your neck. What's he, what's he saying? He's saying, listen to instruction and obey. That's what he's saying. Obey the Lord. I want to read to you what the Queen of Sheba says to Solomon. Can I do that? 
1 uh, Kings 10, 4 to 9. Listen to this. When the queen of Sheba realized how very wise Solomon was, and when she saw the palace that he built, she was overwhelmed. She was also amazed at the food on his tables, the organization of his officials, and their splendid clothing. The cupbearers and the burnt offerings Solomon made at the temple of the Lord. And she exclaimed to the king, everything I heard in my country about your achievements and wisdom is true. Can I just stop there for a moment? We as Christians, we love to tell everybody that if you become a Christian, your life will be great, everything will be wonderful, and things will go well for you, and you'll develop lots of new friends, and God will bless your life. Well, in Solomon's case, it turned out to be true. Sheba came to see for herself, and in fact, it's true. I wonder if you're living your life in such a way that when people look closely at your life, they'd say, oh yeah, what he's saying is true. What she says about Christ, what she says about the church, what she says about Christianity is true. But you see, you're the representative. You're the one that represents Christ to this broken world. I wish that wasn't so because it would take the, the pressure off. But no, this is a God's will. God's will is that you become his ambassador. That people look at your life and see that your Christianity is not just an idea, not just a philosophy, not just hopeful or wishful thinking, but it's a reality. She says, everything I heard in my country about your achievements and wisdom is true. I didn't believe what was said until I arrived here and saw it with my own eyes. I love it when people come to our church and say, you know, to come here and experience the love and the warmth in this place, it's all real. It's true. This Christianity thing is real. And Sheba says, in fact, I had not heard the half of it. It turned out to be far, far better than she expected. Your wisdom and your prosperity are far beyond what I was told. How happy your people must be. What a privilege for your officials to stand here day after day listening to your wisdom. Okay. The question is this. How do I get that kind of wisdom? What must I do in order to have that crown of respect and honor? What must I do to get that chain of honor that Solomon is talking about? Well, the answer to this question is the main point that I was telling you about earlier, the main point of the story about the Queen of Sheba. What she says to Solomon unveils the secret to Solomon's success as a king and leader. And here's what she says in verse nine. She says, praise the Lord your God who delights in you and has placed you on the throne of Israel because of the Lord's eternal love for Israel. He has made you king so you can rule with justice and righteousness. Wow. This pagan... Gentile, this woman who doesn't know God, has looked at Solomon's life, 
has looked at Solomon's home, his attendance, looked at his wealth, and here is what the pagan says. Is the Spirit of God speaking to you now? She says, say it with me, praise the Lord your God. Wow. Wow. Is the Spirit of God speaking to you right now? Solomon's life caused the queen of Sheba, a pagan, a Gentile who knew not God, Solomon's life caused Sheba to praise the Lord. Now, does this remind you of anything? You see, last year at this time, we were going through Sermon on the Mount. And what does Jesus say to those who are listening to him preach the sermon? He says in Matthew 5, 16, in the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will do what? Will praise your heavenly Father. Now, folks, listen. If you want to have the crown of respect, if you want to have the crown or the chain of honor, then you're going to have to live your life as Solomon tells us to live it. To live a life in total and complete obedience to God. Did you get that? Where you say, Father, not my will, but yours be done. Not my will, but yours be done. It's for this reason that Jesus teaches us in the Sermon on the Mount. What does he say? He says, pray. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Folks, this is the source of wisdom. This is wisdom. Obeying God, doing the will of God every time is wisdom. That's what wisdom is. You're all worried where am I going to get all this wisdom from and how do I have to grow a, a long beard and do I have to wear robes and do I have to do this every day and cross my legs and, and stop eating meat? God forbid. <laughs> Is that where I get the wisdom from? Is that how I become wise like Solomon? No, folks. You start living your life in obedience to Jesus Christ, and you are doing his will every time. This is why we teach habit number three, the habit of holiness, moment-by-moment holiness. Everybody says, well, what is holiness? Don't dance, don't drink, don't, don't smoke, don't... No, that's not, that's not it. It's doing the will of God every time. And then all you have to do is ask yourself the question, would God smoke? Never. Why? Because our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Do you see what I'm saying about wisdom? You know how to live this life. You know what to do. You know what not to do. You know how to live a life that is gracious and dignified and respectful by obeying God. That's why Solomon said to his son, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge or wisdom, and fools despise wisdom and instruction. You want to be loved and respected by your friends? 
Hey, I've watched a lot of kids grow up and they hate their mother, they hate their father. And oftentimes, it's just because they don't respect their parents. Their parents are, are living in a way there's double standards. They're living in a way that is contrary to the will and the purposes of God. And so it turns out that kids don't respect their parents. Now look at, I'm not judging anybody here because look at, we're all human and that's the kind of mistakes we all make, right? Oh, nobody answered that one. <laughs> it's the mistakes we all make. We all make crazy mistakes. If you want to get your, the respect back, mums and dads, first of all, apologize to your children for where you have gone wrong. And then secondly, start living a life of obedience to Christ and they will respect you. They will admire you. They will listen to you. They will love you. And even if they don't, in the back of their mind and in their heart, they'll know you're right. You want to get the respect of your peers, of your friends, of your brothers and sisters in Christ. Apologize to them. Ask them to forgive you and start living a life in obedience to Christ. Now, I haven't got, I could go, I could spend now hours talking about what that means to be obedient to Christ, but we went over this last year, right? Last summer, we called it the Sermon on the Mount. I need you to go back and read that to find out exactly how you're supposed to be living. And you can do that on your own. You can do that right after the service. Don't do it now, please. <laughs> do you know that the reformers, it's not so much the reformers, but the Puritans in England, they were trying to have a clear sense of guidance and direction for the Christians of England. And so these Puritan ministers got together and they put together what is called the Westminster Confession of Faith in 1646. And it begins by telling us what the chief end or the chief purpose of humans is. And it begins with these words, the chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Now, I couldn't have put that better myself. This goes back to 1646. And this is precisely what, what Solomon is talking about here. It's precisely what Jesus is talking about. You live your life in such a way that God is being glorified, that people everywhere will praise your heavenly Father. Now, Solomon's speaking to his son. He wants his son to be a great king. Unfortunately, as you and I all know, is that Solomon's son does not take to heart the words of his father. And we see shortly after, after his son takes power that the kingdom of Israel is split in two. Any respect that Israel has had in the world has now been lost by, because of the two men who are now leading a divided kingdom. I want to tell you something. When, the minute you stop doing things God's way, that's when, that's when bad things start to happen. We all know that, right? We all know that. That's when marriages start having problems and parents start having problems with their kids and the kids start having problems with their parents and kids have problems with their boss and everybody's now a victim and everybody's got problems and it's all falling apart and Jesus says, what's the matter with you? Did you not remember what I said to you in Matthew 6, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all the things you need will be added unto you. Christians, we're not like the world. 
We don't function according to the wisdom of this world. This is why we don't take up social causes or, or, and we don't take up political causes in this church because we've got something that's better than that. We have the word of God. This is what we preach. This is what we teach. This is what we build our lives on. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And last week we were using the New Living Translation and it said the fear of the Lord is the foundation. It's the foundation on which we build our lives. And when you build your life on that foundation of wisdom, my friends, that is when you get respect and that's when you get to be a person who is able to influence others. People will come to your Christ if they see that Christ works in your life. If they look at your life and your life is a mess, is a disaster, and they know, even though they're not Christians, they know that something's not right, do you really think they're gonna want anything to do with your religion? The only way they might join your religion is if you're, you tell them that if they become Christians, they'll get rich, then they might join your religion. And of course, we all know that that is a heresy, isn't it? When God created Adam and Eve, they were to fulfill his will on the earth. Did you get that? They were created in the image of God, and God declared them very good. And their job was to do the will of God. And folks, I want you to recognize something, that the secondary theme, the secondary theme through Scripture is obedience. Did you know that? That is the secondary theme. You say, Pastor Ron, what's the primary? What's the first theme? Ah, I'm glad you asked that question. It's salvation, redemption. Why? Why is that the primary? Well, because we didn't do the obedience thing well. We sinned against God. We fell out of favor with God. And God had to begin this process of redemption, of salvation. And thanks be to God, he sent us a savior. His name is Jesus. And all who put their faith in him, their sins will be washed away. All who put their faith in Jesus have the hope of eternal life. All who put their faith in Jesus will receive the Holy Spirit who, who will impart divine wisdom to his children. Hallelujah. Folks, this is our faith. This is what we believe. So the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. It's the beginning of wisdom. And the outworkings of wisdom is simply obedience. You know, Solomon wrote another book. He actually wrote a couple books. He wrote the Song of Songs or Song of Solomon, as you may know it. And he also wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. He begins the book very pessimistic. In fact, you think to yourself, well, do I really want to read all 12 chapters of this? Because it begins with, everything's meaningless. <laughs> Let's all just slit our wrists and die. But that's how it starts. Everything's meaningless. And then he, he begins to work out the meaning of life through these 12 chapters. And he comes to the very end of the book of Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes 12, verses 13 and 14. And listen to what he says. Here now is my final conclusion about life. Fear God and obey his commands, for this is everyone's duty. Did you get that? This is the conclusion that Solomon the wise came to. 
If the Queen of Sheba was going home with anything, that would be the nugget of truth that would be transformative. And by the way, that's the nugget of truth that is transformative for you and me. Fear God. And by fear God, I don't mean that, that, that you're terrified of him like that, but rather you respect him because that's what fear means. We're talking about the fear of God, which is a respect for God. Respect for who he is and what he can do. Hebrews says it's a, it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of an angry God. But you don't hear that preached in churches anymore, do you? But you do hear. And Solomon says, God will judge us for everything we do, including every secret thing, whether good or bad. And so we come back to these words. What you learn from the instruction of your father or the instruction of your mother and the correction of your father, what you learn from them will crown you with grace and be a chain of honor around your neck. Do you want to be respected? Do you want to be effective as a father, a mother, a a boss, an employee, whatever it is that you are called to do? Then you need to embrace this correction and instruction. Why is that? Well, I can tell you Solomon wants his son to be a godly man. And it's an interesting thing. If you go through a concordance and go through the book of Proverbs, it tells you over and over and over again how to be a godly person and the benefits of a godly life. Over 61 times in the book of Proverbs, you're going to find that term, godly. A godly man, a godly woman, a godly child. When you live a godly life, in obedience to God, then you enjoy the respect and honor, the crown and the chain of honor. And it makes you a person that is respected by all. Every now and again, I, I, I run into people who know Shane Hartree. And I have to say this because yesterday, two different people in two two completely different circumstances were telling me. I I don't go around asking, hey, do you know Shane? What can you tell me about him? I don't do that. But just out of the blue, they'll they'll talk about this doctor in ER. And they say, that man is a a good doctor. He, He was so respectful of me and he cared for me. And one person said to me yesterday, I'd done a funeral in the morning, but one of the people at the funeral said to me, um, he, was, he was so respectful of me and my father. Others, other doctors and medical staff were dismissive, but Dr. Shane took the time to, to hear us and to know what we're thinking. And I said, well, how did you know? How did you know that, that, that he was part of our church? And, and, and I guess at some point they must have asked because they recognized a godliness in this man who happens to go to cross church. What do people say about you behind your back? Do people see a godliness in you? Do people see a life that is lived with a crown and a chain of honor? This is the problem with us, isn't it? Is that we forget that we represent the king of kings, the king of the universe. 
My friends, listen, if you're gonna live a life that is pleasing to the Lord, you're gonna have to learn what it is to live as Christ calls you to live. If you wanna be a person of influence, to influence people to come to church, to come to become a Christian, you're gonna have to change some of the things you're saying and the way you're, you're functioning. You're gonna think twice about what you post on Facebook or Instagram. You think twice about, about your language. Jesus, in Luke chapter 11, verse 31, dealing with a people who are stiff-necked and really were not interested in what Jesus had to say. He said this. He said, the queen of Sheba will stand up against this generation on judgment day and condemn it. For she came from a distant land to hear the wisdom of Solomon. Now someone greater than Solomon is here, but you refuse to listen. Who is this person who's greater than Solomon? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. On our own strength, and our own power, and our own wisdom, we can't live the life that God's called us to live. But we've been given the Holy Spirit who will always prompt us to obey Jesus every time. That's the beginning of wisdom. And that's the beginning of true respect and dignity. Is there hope for us? And the answer is yes. Because all who put their faith in the one who is greater than Solomon have been given the promise of the Holy Spirit who will seal us until that day that we die and stand before God. All who put their faith in Jesus Christ will have their name written in the Lamb's book of life. All who have put their faith in Jesus Christ will receive the power of the Holy Spirit who will enable us to live the life that Jesus Christ has called us to live. Father, thank you this morning for sending someone who is greater than Solomon and if, queen Sheba, if the queen of Sheba came and traveled across the world to come and hear the words of Solomon, Father, how much more should we run to Jesus and seek to honor Christ by obeying his every instruction? Father, thank you that true wisdom is obedience to God and doing the will of the Father. Now we pray in Jesus' name, help us to be like Jesus. God, we, we, are, we are hungry and thirsty to know the mind of our Lord because we want to imitate him. We want to obey him. We want to do his will. So Father, we thank you now for your presence here. Thank you that we could gather together in Jesus' name. Father, as we go from this place, may we be a people who wear the crown and the chain of honor and respect because we're obeying Christ. And thank you, Lord, you are going to heal marriages, you're going to heal families, you're going to heal bad relationships. You'll make them whole because we're walking in the wisdom of God. And we thank you in Jesus' name. And everyone said it with me? Amen. One more time. Amen. God bless you. God bless you.